Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. of the prodigal. And last week, if you missed it, we talked about having the Father's heart. And if you're struggling with unforgiveness and, you're, and you have a hard time forgiving others, I want to invite you, go back and listen to our sermon from last week and put it on repeat because it's probably going to take a while before it sets in, but it's dealing with that exact thing. But today, as we get started, I want to talk to you about the differences between the two brothers and the prodigal son's parable. And you have the oldest son and the youngest son, right? You've got the one who is older and the elderly son, and then you have the wild child and the younger child. And I think for most of us parents that we have uh, uh, two children, maybe you are a sibling and there are you know, an older one and a baby one, we understand that for the most part, not always, but for the most part, there are some Pretty, minute, pretty much some fundamental differences between the oldest and the youngest. So today I'm going to ask this. How many oldest, you're the oldest sibling, you're the oldest child in your family, firstborn, whatever you want to call it. Oh, yes, we got a lot of type A's today. So um, I want to just share some things about the oldest sibling versus the youngest. And this isn't always true, so I'm not trying to put you in a box. Calm down. Um, but Firstborns have a tendency to be more responsible in type A personalities, right? Because here's the deal. You're expected to be more responsible. And as a, as a result, you get to be in charge. You're the built-in babysitter. You never, you never got paid to be the built-in babysitter, right? You'll watch your children. You'll watch your brothers and sisters, and you'll be happy about it, right? Like You watch your siblings for free all the time. But, but here's the result of that. As a result of being the responsible one, you were called bossy, right? Some of you are still called bossy, and maybe they're not wrong. Um, but as an oldest sibling, you had to hide every single thing you ever, ever owned. Um, you had to hide it, or they were going to take it. Not they being your brothers and sisters. Like you had, like, Yes, I don't know what was wrong with me. I think I ate paint chips at a child, but I remember when my oldest sister had some lip gloss and it smelled like fruit, and I remembered I was probably four years old and I ate all her lip gloss. I, I don't know why. I don't know why. It explains a lot, doesn't it? Um, but you're like, okay, it all makes sense. <laughs> you made your siblings do everything as long as possible, older children. 
Older brothers, older sisters, you pretty much made them your built-in minions. They're just following you around going, Beto, Beto, right? Like you, you felt a sense of pride knowing life-altering secrets before your siblings did. And I'm not going to dive into that much more because I don't know who's watching online. I don't know what kind of children, what ages we have, but, but you know what I'm talking about. You knew some life-altering secrets before your siblings did. Second thing, and this is the truest thing I can share. Your parents documented and paid more attention to you than your younger siblings. When there comes to our family photo album from my, from my childhood, there are literally probably 300 pictures of my sister and probably 50 of me. Like, I'm like, did the camera break? No, we just, we, we just didn't take pictures. Awesome. Like, cool, awesome, great, dad, appreciate it. You know, like, they just, they, they were, they freaked out, right? They're like, woo! And, and there's a lot of difference between the oldest and the youngest. But, but here's the problem, is all you middle children out there, right? Like, hey, what, what about us middle children? Because for the most part, not always, but tendency, middle children have a tendency to feel looked over and forgotten about. And, and here's the problem I have today. The prodigal son doesn't have any mention or contain a, a iota of a middle child. Jesus didn't talk about a middle child. So if Jesus didn't talk about a middle child, we're going to continue to overlook and ignore you today and continue with that tradition. So, just no. <laughs> All the middle child's like, I hate this church. We're finding a new one, right? That's how it is. Welcome to my life, right? All the babies in the family, that's me. All the babies, show your hands with pride. Come on, you made it. Um, here, here's what they say about us. And I don't know who they are, but this is what they say. Uh, you have a tendency to be a little bit more easygoing and relaxed, right? Um, as a result, you have a tendency to be a little bit more social than your siblings. Um, and it leans itself to you being more fun at times and creative. I know older siblings are like, shut up. Um, the great thing is you had a built-in bodyguard growing up. It was your older brother. It was your older. They could beat the living tar out of you growing up, but nobody else could, right? They're like, oh, no, that's my punching dummy, not yours, right? So you had built-in bodyguards. What was your older sibling stuff was your stuff. Um, example, lip gloss, right? You just eat it. Um, the parents are more chilled out um, as a result of them ignoring you and not paying as much attention. Ah, we've been down this road before. They're just eating lip gloss and paint. It'll be fine, right? Like just a little bit more chilled out. And in my case, you are the good looking one in the family. So um, yeah, I hope my sister watches right at you. Here's the difference. Here is the deal. There's such a difference between older and younger for the most part. And in the parable of the prodigal son, there's a big difference between the youngest son and the oldest son. And we're going to talk about the youngest son next week. But this week, I want us to focus on the eldest son. And I want to talk to you today about what happens when you and I have the eldest son syndrome. Our text is found in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32, and it says this, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. 
So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land. There was a recession, right? And he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Put a ring, get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now is found. So the party began. All right, so, so here's what's going on. There's a party, and, and this isn't just a party for the house, right? This isn't just a party for the household. This is a block party that the dad throws. Like the community that the younger son, and we talked about this a little bit last week, that, that the younger son, when he asked for all his stuff in front of the father, man, he wasn't just embarrassing the father. It was an embarrassment to the whole neighborhood that they heard about, the whole community. And when the youngest son comes back, the father throws a massive party and invites all the people that he was embarrassed in front of to this party. So there is this massive party that is happening. I want you to get the context of this. There's music happening, right? There's, there's things that are going on in the Jewish culture. You know, oopa, I think that's Greek. But they're, they're just, they're doing whatever people did in the Jewish traditions. That There's dancing, there's drinking, everybody's merry, everybody's celebrating, cooling the gang. It's singing, Cel-. there's things happening, right? And then this is where our text is. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. He was doing what the oldest child's doing, right? He's doing what he's supposed to do, right? He's in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. Here, here's, 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 here's where I get. If I'm the oldest son, can I tell you, first off, I'm mad because I didn't get invited to the party at the beginning. Right? Let's just be honest. And so many times we look at the oldest son and we're like, man, what's his problem? Well, my problem would be this. I'm out doing what my dad's been asking to. And while I'm out doing what my dad's been asking to, asking me to, and while I've been working and when I've been responsible, you threw a party and you, did, you didn't even invite me, Right? So I'm already, I I can relate with this so well. It's like mid-high all over again, right? I'm already mad because I didn't get invited to the party. And he asked one of the servants, what's going on? And the servant says, your brother's back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. Have you ever told somebody news you were excited about, but it went over not really well with them? 
Like they didn't share your excitement, right? Like they're like, yes, and they got married and you didn't know they were still in love with the person that got married. And you're like, oh, you didn't, you're not, oh, you're not over that. You're not, I didn't know, right? And you're like, they got married, it was beautiful, it was great. And you're like, and they just start crying. And you're like, oh, oh, okay. That's where this older brother is. That's where this servant is. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, oldest brother, all these years, I've slaved for you and never refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never even gave me one young goat for a, free, for a feast with my friends. You wouldn't even let me have goat cheese and crackers, right? Like you, nothing. Yet, when this son of yours comes back, after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? His father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And here's the simple truth for you today. When it comes to this story, I relate to the eldest brother more than I do any other character in this whole story. And some of you that have grown up in church, some of you that you've been doing this whole follow Jesus thing for a while, if you're not careful, if I'm not careful, you develop what I call eldest brother syndrome. And you're like, God, I, I've, been, I've been doing everything you've asked me to do. And I, I've been doing all these things. And, and, and something sets in, and you don't even know it sets in, and it's eldest brother syndrome. And what is eldest brother syndrome? Well, eldest brother syndrome is simply this. It says this, God owes me because of my obedience. Right, God, God, you owe. And this is where the eldest brother is. Not once have I denied or disobeyed something that you have asked me to do. And here's what the eldest brother is saying to his father. You owe me because I've been obedient to you. You're, you're in my debt, Dad, because I've been, I've done everything you said. Let's go back to the text. Verse 28, the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. The father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. And here's what happens when we get eldest brother syndrome is that it brings entitlement to our soul instead of devotion. And we feel entitled to God treating us. We feel like we should have inside trader like information, right? We're like, man, I should have an inside track with God compared to all those heathens over there. Right? God, God should, should treat me. To, oh, I, here's why we, well, I've been tithing all this time, Right? So why am I not rich? I haven't won the lottery once, right? I've been tithing, so, so then this is what my life shouldn't look like theirs. I, I've been doing this whole dating thing the way you've told me, God, and I, I, shouldn't, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't still be single when I'm in my mid-20s, my mid-30s. My life should, my life should be, there should be special treatment. And here's what happened. The eldest brother isn't serving out of devotion. 
He's serving out of what is in it for him. What's he getting out of it? It's not about love. It's about duty now. And all of a sudden, we come to this realization that it's not just the youngest brother that's lost. The oldest brother is lost just as much. But the dangerous thing is, he doesn't even know it. Doesn't even know it. He's expecting some reward, God, to grant him like he's a genie. I rubbed the lamp, you should grant my request, and it is all about entitlement. And can I tell you, we live in a culture that is all about, I'm entitled to this, when you're entitled to nothing. You're not. You're not entitled to anything. Well, it, I'm about to get ahead of my, it's not fair, you're right, and thank God it's not fair. I have, I have two daughters, um, my oldest one, Charlie, my youngest one, Chloe, my oldest one, 16, my youngest one is, acts like she's 18, um, but um, they're fantastic kids. I love both my daughters, and um, I think for the most part, they're good kids. I always say this about twice a year um, to all the parents out there, um, my kids are not your kid's example, you are, um, and I will be. I'm never going to put my kids on a pedestal, like act like my kids, because they're going to screw up and mess up just like anybody else. And so um, I think my kids like being pastor's kids, because they're like, I'm not your kid's example, you are a parent, right? So, um, and, and here's the deal, for the most part, I, I think, I think, unless I'm totally being snowed, they're, they're really good kids. Um, and, and all the time of being their parent, my, my kids haven't come downstairs and said, hey, hey, Dad, you know, I've been thinking, I, I'm, not, I'm not a prostitute. I'm not sleeping around, so I think you should give me $1,000 for it. <laughs> Hasn't happened. They haven't gone, you know, Dad, I, I've thought about it. I'm not a crackhead. I've, 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 I haven't gone down to all the different marijuana shops that are all over Oklahoma now. I, I haven't, you know, I'm not on meth. I'm not, I, I, I don't struggle. I'm not an alcoholic, so I think you should give me $1,000 for that. I, hey, Dad, I'm not a gambler. I'm not involved in, uh, you know, like sex trade stuff. I, so I think I should be rewarded for that, right? If your kid came down and said that to you, you would laugh in their face face and be like, get, get out of my face right now, right? Because we're both about to need some counseling for what is about to occur in this place with, with your attitude. No, they don't do that. You know what they understand? They understand their reward for their obedience is not having to pay the price of their disobedience, right? Their reward for their obedience is not having to live with the regret of their disobedience. And hear me today, the same thing is true with your relationship with your heavenly father. The reward isn't that you're entitled. It's not that God owes you something. It's not that, oh, I should get all these benefits. No, no, no. The reward for your being obedience is that you don't have to pay the regret and the consequences that disobedience brings. And that alone should be reward enough. But you and I haven't called haven't been called to follow God and to serve our Heavenly Father and have a relationship with our Heavenly Father for what we can solely get out of it. And yet many of us, we've turned this relationship with Him all about us getting His hands instead of His heart. And we have started chasing His favor instead of His character. 
And God is way more about what kind of person you're becoming and the character you're developing than what can I give you now? What can I give you now? What can I, or will you just be obedient because you love me? First John chapter five, verse three says this, loving God means this, it means keeping his commandments. And his commandments aren't burdensome. It means they aren't heavy. They don't weigh you down. And we live in a world that says the exact, why would you live your life like that? Because I love, because I love him. It's not hard. In fact, it says this, Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will do what I say. That's it. If you love me, you'll do what I say. So you and I, we've got to be really careful that why we're why we're doing what he has commanded us to do, why we're following after Jesus, it's not for what we can get out of it. It's not because God is a debtor to us and he owes us something. No, no, no. It's simply because we're doing what he's commanded us simply because we love him. But eldest brother syndrome says, no, 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 you owe me. And here's the dangerous thing about the eldest brother syndrome is that it makes us critical it makes us really, really critical, and it makes us really, really bad at comparing with others. And what I can tell you is this, complaining and comparing keeps you from clapping and celebrating. Complaining and comparing keeps you from clapping and celebrating. When you complain about others and you compare to others, it keeps you from clapping for others and celebrating with others. I love this quote. I don't know who it's from. I read it this week. It just struck me as funny. Life starts off with everyone clapping when you poo and then goes downhill from there, right? <laughs> it's so true. Oh, he potted. He made poo in the body. And then it's just like, why isn't everybody cheering for me anymore, right? It's like, why, what happened? And there's this part of the story that, that the, others, the oldest brother, he comes in, he hears music, he hears all this stuff, and, and what happens? He refuses to go on the party. And there's this cliffhanger that I've never noticed in the parable. It never says the eldest son goes into the party, does it? In fact, it says that the father has to leave the party, and he has to go, with his, go to his oldest son, his eldest son, who's having a pity party for himself. You want to talk about embarrassing? Like, are you kidding? I get this one kid straightened out, and now I got to deal with this. Like, parents, this is real. It was happening since biblical times. Like, ah, oh, can you all just get it together at one time? It's called heaven, parents. Um, but. And so he has to leave the party. Now he's embarrassed because all the guests are going. Where is he going? What's happening? And there's this whole thing that's happening. And hear me. I get it. The eldest son, when the youngest son left, he didn't just leave the father, he left his brother. Right? It hurt. The brother had to work harder now because his buddy, his younger brother, they had a relationship. They were friends. He left the oldest brother too and left him with work and left him angry and left him mad. And when he comes back and he's throwing a party, the eldest brother, he can't, he can't celebrate. He can't clap. Because he's mad, he's angry, and he's looking about, well, what about me? What about me? Can I tell you some of the most critical, 
destructive words you can ever say is when you say that phrase, what about me? What's in it for me? And the older brother, we don't, we don't know if he goes in, if there's a change that happens or not. And I love that Jesus leaves it that way. Because maybe, maybe, we don't know, maybe it turned into a lifestyle form. Right? And that lifestyle that we would call it would be legalistic and religious. Right? And, and we become legalistic and we become a religious person and we never learn to clap and we never learn to celebrate the younger brother and the lost son coming home because they and we are too busy complaining and comparing about all the rules he broke instead of celebrating that he simply came home. In fact, the older brother can't even call him his younger brother. He says, this son of yours, right? That, that kid of yours, right? Anytime our kids act up, Casey's like, hey, your daughter. I'm like, uh-uh, right? Like, you understand? And that's where the older brother is. Um, when I was in my 20s um, and we would go play golf, I used to think I was going to make the PGA Tour and I stink at golf. So I don't know why I thought that. Um, but I would get really, really mad. Like I was a South Pole elf. I would get really angry if I was having a bad day um, playing golf. And um, I would, if I was golfing with my dad, with my father-in-law, with other people, can I tell you, if I was having a bad round, everybody was going to have a bad round. Like, I was going to make sure nobody's enjoying their good round of golf that they're having. I'm be like, oh, you hit a good shot? Mine's in the water. You suck, right? Like, I would just... I couldn't celebrate. I couldn't be happy. Um, they would be playing great. I, I, wish, I wish I could play golf all the time, right? Like it must be not. That's why you're so good because you get to play golf all the time, but I'm over here working and I'm married and I'm, I'm complaining about blessings. I got kids. I'm, I'm complaining about blessings, right? About their golf game. I'm like, no, I'm not going to be happy for you. But can I tell you, when I hit my 30s, I grew up. I don't know what happened. Um, I'm still growing up. And now I can go out, and if I hit bad shots, I'll laugh. If you hit a bad shot, just know I'm going to laugh. <laughs> and if you hit a great shot, I can celebrate with you even if I don't. Right? And you know what? Paul says this. When I was a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, and I spoke like a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. And some of you, the reason you are still being critical and you're comparing and you can't clap and you can't celebrate is because you have refused to grow up. And the most spiritual thing you can do is stop worrying about everybody else and start celebrating what God is doing in your life and in everyone else. In fact, it says this in Galatians chapter 6, Verse 4 through 5, pay careful attention to your own work. Everybody say own. Your own work. Stop looking at the answers on your neighbor's paper, right? Like pay attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. Here's, here's my problem. I stink at this still. All right, because if we're all going to go do a job together, if me and Jeff Wagner are going and we're going to go mow a field together, I'm going to watch how much Jeff has, has mowed. And I'm like, Jeff, if you haven't mowed half of this, man, get to work, get to moving them little legs. Let's go. You know, I'm going to be like, 
I'm working, you're not working. I'm not paying attention to what I'm doing. I'm paying attention, is he doing what he should be doing? For then you'll get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Can I tell you, criticism always is birthed out of comparison. You always criticize people that you are comparing yourself to. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Man, elder brother, he's not responsible for his youngest brother. He's not responsible for how he's going to act. He's not responsible for the homecoming that his father's going to show and that he's going to throw. No, 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 no. The eldest brother is responsible for his actions and his conduct, and he's called to pay attention to what God is doing in him instead of what he's doing around everybody else. And what I have noticed is that many times we're great at celebrating and clapping for others as long as other people's lives aren't as good as ours. Right? Hey, Nate, I can clap for you. I can celebrate you. But you get a little nicer ride than me. I'm like, oh, must be nice to be Nate. Adam, I can celebrate you. I can clap for you. Man, it's my buddy Adam. Tug gets a nicer house, and he gets that pool with the jacuzzi that I've been waiting on. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I've been, I've been waiting for the jacuzzi, right? I've been, what are you doing? He must be, he must be stealing money from the government, right? Like he must be cheating <laughs> on his taxes. And that's what we do. It is, it's what we do. And we can celebrate and we can clap and yeah, man, it's awesome to see what God's doing as long as God is still doing more in my life than he is in your life. But can you continue to celebrate and can you continue to clap even when people, man, even when God's blessings, even when people get stuff you're still waiting on because if not, here's the danger of it. Here's the danger of it. Here's the danger of comparison and criticism is that it makes me the judge of what is fair and what isn't fair. It makes you the judge of what is fair and what isn't fair. And the youngest brother has this moment, right? The eldest, excuse me, the eldest brother has this moment. He says, I, you threw a steak dinner for our brother and I can't even get a freaking goat, dad. Like, we're doing mahoganies, right? And you won't even take me to Golden Corral. Like, hey, the rolls are great. <laughs> right? Like, I'm thankful for the bell and the hot rolls, but I want mahogany. Like, <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, that's so true, right? That's what's happening. This was, like, there was only one fattened calf. There was only one cow. Like, they didn't say get one of the cows. No, it said the fattened calf. Get it? It's saying that the bro they've been waiting on this. They've been waiting for such a time. And then, then, then you don't even call me in for the beginning of the party? What? That's not fair. That's not, that's not Right? And this is what takes a hold is eldest brother syndrome. And hear me, I've been there. I'm like, God, it's not fair. Do you know what that pastor's really like? Because I do. It's not fair. You know what they do? You know how they treat? That's not fair. Do you know what kind of parent they are? Do you know how stupid they are with me? It's not fair. 
And the eldest brother syndrome makes us a critic and it makes us the judge of what is fair and what isn't fair. It makes us judge and jury. And you know this, in Matthew chapter seven, Jesus says this and we quote this all the time, judge not lest ye be judged. But here's what it says in the Amplified Version. It says, do not judge and criticize and condemn others unfairly with an attitude of self-righteous superiority as though assuming the office of a judge so that you will not be judged unfairly. It says this in the message, don't pick on people. Jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. Because here's what I can tell you about being judgmental and judging what is fair and what is not fair. Is that all of a sudden what happens is you and I start developing a me versus them mentality. That's what happens. We, we develop a me versus the, the eldest son says this son of yours. And he starts listing all the things. All the ways the son screwed up. He's been with prostitutes. He's just wasted money. He's done all these, all these stupid, ridiculous things. That's what your youngest son, and then there's me. And, and we can do this, and this can develop in us so easily, and so just not even with us trying, is we can say, oh yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad they're in church, but do you know what they were doing last week? Man, I'm, I'm glad... They raise their hands, your eyes should be shut anyways, but you know, you're like, I'm glad they raised their hand for salvation, but man, I hope it sticks. I'm glad they're coming to church, but man, do you know what they were doing before they came to church? I, I would never, I would never, I would never. And it's on us versus them. And here's the problem with the eldest son syndrome is that we feel like their victory it's going to overshadow our accomplishments. Can I tell you, there's room enough for your father to celebrate both of you. Man, there's, your, your father is capable of celebrating both of you. So let me tell you this. Life is way better when you learn to celebrate and you learn to clap for others. When you learn to celebrate and you learn to clap for the youngest brother, the youngest son that is coming home. And I'm not talking about the sarcastic slow clap. <laughs> Bravo, man. There's another one. Yeah, great. You ended up with a great looking wife after living like that. Awesome. And I waited to have sex my whole life. Awesome. Speaking truth. <laughs> no. Life's way, life's way more joyful. Life's way better when you learn to celebrate. So how do you get over eldest brother syndrome? Here it is. Remember what it costs to bring you home. Some of you, we've forgotten. <laughs> we've been in church so long. We've been doing this Jesus thing so long that we forgot that it cost Jesus just as much to bring us home as it did the younger brother home. It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I close with this. 
when I, I got my first job um, out of college, I was a youth pastor. I made $23,000 before taxes. I was rich. Um, I'm just going to let you know, in my world, I was rich. I think I, I clock like $15,000 after taxes because I was self-employed. So it was really awesome. Um, tax season was fun. So, um, but I didn't know any better. And so we go out with my parents and Casey's parents because we're engaged. And we go to a restaurant down in Dallas, Texas, one of our favorite ones called Campisi's Italian restaurant. It's actually an Egyptian restaurant, but they serve Italian food. Don't ask me. I don't know why. Um, but so we go to this restaurant, and I, I, I look at my father-in-law especially because he still is notorious for pain anytime we go out. And I'm not just saying that publicly, so he'll continue to do that. Um, that's really what Bob does. Um, so... Bob, I look at Bob, I'm like, hey, I want to pay for this meal, right? And I look at my dad, and I'm like, I want to pay for this meal. And they're like, okay. And like, you can see it on their faces. They're like, you don't make enough money to pay for this meal. But if that's what you, I'm like, it's important. I want to pay for the meal. And so I had never paid for six people to go out to eat. <laughs> never, right? Straight out of college. I mean, the only person I paid to go out to eat was Casey. Like, that was it. It was me and her. And most of the time, we were sharing a Happy Meal, right? So, so we're there. I'm like, heat up, babe, right? Like, you can have the toy. So um, we go out, and I get the, the bill, and I'm thinking $50, right? And this is back in the 90s. It's $150. I'm like, what'd you have? I'm like, what, what'd you eat? Somebody have some wine I didn't know about? I said Coca-Cola or tea only, right? Like, I'm like, what, what happened? <laughs> and here's the deal. It, my meal had already been paid, always been paid for. I didn't know the cost of what it took to pay for six people until I was giving the bill. And you don't remember the cost until you take time to remember what it costs for God to bring you home. And how can we act like an eldest brother when it costs Jesus the same price to bring you home, to bring me home, and thank God he's not a fair God, but he's a merciful and graceful and a faithful God that paid the same price to bring you home as he did the youngest son home. And that's how you and I get past acting like the eldest brother. That's how we get past eldest brother syndrome because life's way better when we can celebrate and we can clap. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And God, there's times where I, I get, man, I get caught in this. I can compare and I can complain. And when I start doing that, I cease to celebrate and clap. And I can hide it under a, a, a myriad of excuses, but the reality is I, what has happened and what has occurred is I've become legalistic and I've become religious instead of joyful and somebody who can celebrate and somebody that can clap and somebody that has just chosen to grow up. So God, I pray for all of us in here that we would remember, we remember what it costs to bring us home. We'd remember that, Lord, we were there. So how can we not be patient? How can, we, how can we not celebrate? How can we not join in the celebration? 
when we remember, it wasn't too long ago that we were right there, that your grace found us. So Lord, I pray, don't give us spiritual amnesia today, but let us remember. Don't, don't, don't let it slip our soul and our mind, but let us remember, Lord, that was us until your grace came and brought us home. And it costs the same price to bring us back as that person we're criticizing, as that lifestyle we're criticizing, at that person that we're complaining about, at that person that we're pointing fingers at. Lord, let us not have an us versus them mentality. God, let us learn to celebrate. Let's learn to clap. Let us learn to be thankful for what you've done in our life. And let us pay attention to the grace we've received, to the gifts we've received. And let us realize it's already been way unfair because you've been way better to us than what we ever deserved in the first place. With heads bowed and eyes closed today, if you're here and you say, Justin, I'm here and I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, or maybe you're here and where you're at isn't where you should be. And you know it's time for you to come home. You know, you know it's time to get things right. And nobody can make this decision for you. You can fake it or things can get real. And you're either here in person or you're at home online, watching online. I'm just going to invite you when I count to three. If that's you, to raise your hand and we're going to lead you in a prayer that will change your life. One two, three. Is there anyone here today? You say, Justin, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anyone else? You join these two hands that are lifted before we go any further in this place. You say, Justin, that's me today. And there's a change that needs to happen in my life. Is there anyone else before we go any further in service? You join these two people. If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today. And I confess that I've sinned, that I've messed up, but I ask for your forgiveness. Jesus, I turn away from the life that I was living. I repent of it and I turn to you. And I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm gonna live for you the rest of my days. It is in Jesus' name I pray. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv. that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.